everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Jasmine, and I have a guest on today. Her name's Sandy Lynn. She is, I guess you call her an influencer. She's a content creator on TikTok where she has more than half a million followers. She's also an entrepreneur and she has a business. So we get into all things how to win on TikTok, but also we talk about her business and her vision and what's working, what's not working. So it's a really great episode. But before we jump in, I have a recommendation for another podcast. If you're enjoying this one, I think you're going to really enjoy Due Diligence with Dolma Alton. And speaking of TikTok, if you enjoy that small business female founder content on TikTok, you probably know Dolma. I follow her. I really enjoy the way that she just breaks down business concepts. She kind of deep dives on different brands that you know. She's kind of got a bit of a female founder slant as well. So there's definitely some overlap there. And she's just really smart. So her insights are always super valuable. And I always come away thinking like, huh, that was super interesting. I'm so glad I listened to that. Well, she recently launched a podcast and she's in the middle of this 100-day challenge where she's releasing a new episode every day for 100 days, which as a podcaster sounds like a massive, massive effort. But if you're someone who, you know, some of your favorite shows are taking a break right now, it's a great opportunity to try out something new. And I think you're really going to enjoy Due Diligence with Dolma. All right, I'll leave you guys to it. Let's jump into the episode. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Sandy, welcome to Female Founder World. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, for people who don't know you, they aren't one of your like half a million followers or however many you have on TikTok. Talk us through your work and what you do. Yeah. So I I will say that I'm a founder by day and then a creator by night. I feel like that that phrase is always used like that. Um, So I'm a founder, co-founder of CreoBase. It's a CRM platform for content creator to manage their all their business all in one. And by night, I'm a content creator on TikTok and Instagram. I talk about everything from creative economy, small business and lifestyle, fashion, honestly, just whatever my heart desire. Yeah, you're one of those creators who I think um, I, I was kind of like scrolling through all of your content and I was like, I feel like you don't have one set like niche or like one set kind of content tentpole that you're going back to. Like a lot of creators that I look like are doing the same kind of content over and over again. You're someone who doesn't seem to have like been super pigeonholed, which I think is really interesting. How did you get into this kind of work? How did you get into the creator economy? Yeah. So I guess the the first thing that I was in the e-commerce space before. So I had a company called Roof and it's a dog business. Like we had bandana, collar, leashes. And I started that in 2017 and we had that store for two and a half years. But in the pandemic, I was like, okay, I kind of need something different. I need a switch. I need something fresh. So that's when TikTok really popped off. And I was one of the last person to get on TikTok within my friends group. I'm like, I'm never going to download that stupid app. And then I downloaded it. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do one dance and that's it. And then I just fell in love. Uh, I just fell in love on like how free I could be. And from there on, I started sharing my journey as entrepreneurship, especially as a young entrepreneurship. I was still in college back then. And as telling people how I balance like business and also my personal life and being a student and all that. 
And that kind of sparks a journey um, like entrepreneurship in general and also being a creator as well. Okay. That's super interesting. Uh, I, I'm interested in this e-commerce business that you had. I also had like a beauty business that was e-com, but we were, we had some stockists as well at that I closed during 2020. What was that process like? Well, like it was such a soul destroying moment for me when I decided to close the business and it was a really hard decision. What was your thought process process leading up to leaving that business? Did you sell it? Did somebody else take it over or did you just close it down? Yeah, it was hard for sure. Cause it's, yeah. it's been like your first baby. And sometimes mm-hmm. though you're making revenue and you're, you're doing all these things, but I felt like people grow, right? Your mindset grow every single stage of your life. is a little different difference. Sometimes you can pivot from your business to a different business. Um, but sometimes you just feel like you need a different path and you want to do something else. And that was my mindset. I, I felt like e-commerce I had a, and I had a really great run. I love touching physical product. But back then I really wanted to get into social media and tech. And I knew that that's somewhere I wanted to get into in the next five or 10 years, but I just didn't know how to get there. And I knew that e-commerce wouldn't kind of help me get there. So that was my thought process on like where I want to be in the future. And it's what I'm doing going to help me get there right now. And because of that, I was like, okay, I need to shut this down. I had a sales, I sell everything out. I'm like, okay, now this is done. Um, So I I stopped that business. And then after two or three months, after getting on TikTok, a a friend on TikTok actually is looking for like a pet business to to start and to run. And he did took it over for me. So that was good. But I don't don't think he continued, to be honest. Uh, I think Mm. it got in the way of him as well. But um. But yeah, it was good to see that some people actually want to continue that business, but it just feel like a legacy that kind of like dwindled out. But at the same time, like Mm. it's a journey that you have for you to get to where you are at right now. Yeah. The first business is always uh, like a proper business boot camp, I think as well. Like you learn so much, whatever, whatever it is and however it turns out. Okay. So talk to me then about how you came to build your tech platform, career base. Yeah. Um, Krubies is an interesting one because it took me two and a half years to get to where I am right now from a very scroll, scare little girl that have no idea where what tech means or like, what the hell does even a tech founder does? I, so I was like, what are you talking about? I like, how does fundraising work? I have no idea that what that means as well. So I started learning behind the scene on what does even tech does and like startup fundraising I learned it brick by brick and started dipping my toes into the creator economy space so in 2020 a lot of creator economy tools are formulating it's such a new industry still and a lot of opportunity is embedded in it so a lot of companies started to come to me and ask me for help as a creator and how could their company utilize creator and tiktok to basically click them off from for their go-to-market strategies. And because of that, I had the opportunity of getting more immersed in this space. And where I'm seeing is that a bunch of PhDs and STEM for people just building creator tools without really knowing what's going on in the creator's head. And I was like, yep. what, what is going on? Like, I need to be doing this. Like, I felt like that's what I need to be doing. I was like, I'm a creator. And if they could do it, like, what makes it, like, why couldn't I do it? 
So then in September of last year, I joined this accelerator program called Visible Hand. Um, they're an awesome three-month program. They focus on diversity and inclusions. And when a lot of people say they focus on diversity and inclusion, but they actually do focus on funding minority founder. And in the tech space, it's very, very rare. Only 2% of women get funding. And then if you mix in like um, color founder, then that's a whole different story. Um, so I joined that program and they really helped me understand the type of business I want to build and what type of pain point that I'm solving. And the pain point that I'm really tackling is bridging the transparency between brands and creators and how creators and brand work. So creators are basically being picked and choose by brands but they aren't really able to see how could they contact brand partnerships. So we basically help them find brand partnership and then they, they can contact them, they can pitch them. And we also help them manage the backend system of being a creator as well. Okay. Amazing. That sounds super impressive. I was looking into what you were doing and mm-hmm. you're so right. Like it is, it is very true that you see the people kind of getting into this creator space. They, they see from like an ap- academic perspective or a macro perspective that this space is booming, but they don't actually have the firsthand experience with the community in terms of build and can't build what they want because they haven't been a creator. They haven't immersed themselves in the space. So I think being creating something that is essentially for yourself and for your community is super powerful. Yep. I want to talk about TikTok and content creation. So you, you got started on TikTok in 2020, which I feel like everyone who's kind of jumping on now or this year um, is kicking themselves for not just like getting over, you know, whatever hangups they had about showing up on short form video on TikTok two years ago. And now it's harder than ever. I want to, or I feel like it's harder than ever. I want to understand like what was working to help you build your following back in 2020 versus what are you seeing cut through now? Do you think it's harder now or is that just the perspective of people who are are new to the platform? I definitely do think it's harder now. With every social media, there is like a early adapter and then a saturation period. Right now, I think we're we're entering the saturation period. So it definitely get a little bit harder, but it's not impossible. It's still very, very much rollable and virality still very much exists and people can still go viral within over days. And I think that's the beauty of TikTok as well. In 2020, it's definitely way easier to grow. You have less competitions and you, you post something and the algorithm just picked it up and you go viral literally instantly. Um, and the different, the biggest different content type is that back in 2020, people are reco- re- basically copying off of each other. Like one sound, one trending sound is going to be used by every single account. And that's kind of how you go viral. People dance, people do funny things. People don't really talk that much. So if you showcase some sort of personality in t- like during 2020 in TikTok, you're kind of basically the winner because you're basically predicting the trend, right? So right now you have to have personality on TikTok. Mm. If you don't have personality on TikTok, there's a very slim chance of you getting where you want to go to. I, it's, I think of this as right now, the winner way is basically position yourself as a storyteller, you have to either be a very, very great storyteller to tell who you are 
to tell your brands and to emulate with people. And if that's not the case, you have to be very good at something to teach something to someone, like educational stuff. And people need to find values in that. And not just generic values, because there's so many guru out there right now just giving generic educational contents. You have to position yourself in a way that people can see that you are an expert in this field and you're credible and you actually do your research in what you're talking about. You can't just go and be like, how do you make 10 grand a month? That doesn't work anymore. How did this brand make 10 grand a month? And how can you do it? This is how, that's what TikTok going to work right now. Um, so I, and the other ways you have to have tremendous amount of personality. Like it's just what it is right now. Yeah, that's really interesting. When I when I look at like scrolling through your feed, it's not a whole lot of you just like, you know, talking to the camera, teaching something. Like it's kind of more edited, more involved. Um, you it seems more like considered, I feel like. How do you come up with content ideas and what is the uh what is like the lens that you apply to it to decide whether or not it's something that you should be talking about in your feed? Yeah, um, I I was very much in like, oh, you have to have one niche and that's it phase before. And I was like that for two years and I tried so hard to break out of it. And finally I broke out of it. I'm so happy. So when I've heard people are like, hey, you have one niche and that that is kind of true. You kind of want to be known as something, but you don't want to be known as just one thing because people get bored of you. Let's say if you are building a brand and you just talk about how do you market yourself all the time. People get super bored of that. People want to know who you are. People want to know what you eat, um, where you go to today, things like that. Right. So that's kind of how I approach my content now is by diversifying my content type and my content style. I think that content type is one thing is like the type of content category you talk about. A content style is the type of way, like a way of portraying your contents. Like one time you can be talking straight to the camera in a very editorial way. Another time you can be cooking and talking to the camera. A second time, uh, another one would be you using a trending sound. So it's a completely different mix of content because if you only stay on one content type, you never really know what type of content pop off and you'll never be able to learn what is a quality content basically. How often are you posting at the moment or, you know, you've already got a pretty big following. How often do you think people who are just getting started should be, should be posting right now? Yeah. Um, I post about like five times to seven times per week now. Um, sometimes not even five, sometimes I'll say four to seven times per week. Now mm-hmm. I used to post like two to three times per day for six months straight. It was crazy. I don't know how I do it, but for people that are just starting on right now, I will still say quantity will lead to quality. I strongly believe in that because if you post enough, you are able to then tell what type of quality content is, and you can double down on that. But if you never have that quantity period, you never know what's going to work and what's not. Um, So I would say, try your best to post five to seven times per week. If you can more, the merrier when you were first starting out, you're not going to see, I I hate to say this, but like, you're not going to see progress within the first three months. If you just stop, 
But I guarantee you, if you like do that, like five to seven contents per week for six months straight, you will see some sort of growth either on Instagram or TikTok, either, or it will, it will give you that fruit. A great example is my Instagram. I was stuck at 34K for two and a half, two years, two years, literally two years Mm -hmm. or more two and a half years. And it was losing follower every single day. And I'm posting like pretty consistently ish, but it just doesn't grow. And then just one day, like last month, it blew up with 170 K people because I started diversifying my content because I start experimenting my contents. And I, I didn't give up because I was losing follower, but I keep on going. So you never really know when that is going to happen, but if you just give up too early, you'll never see that happening. Something that's really interesting that, uh, I think about a lot and that I think folks who listen to the show, listen to think about a lot is this opportunity of founders showing up as like the face of their brand or, you know, and the evangelists behind their brand and how to do that either on the personal account or the brand account. How do you think that founders should be showing up? Because, you know, we, we had a, we had a panel event recently in Austin and, um, Alison Ellsworth, the founder of Poppy, um, showed up and they are like neck and neck with Liquid Death to be the fastest growing beverage company in the US now, which is just wild. And we were talking about this convers- this topic about, especially with women who are on who are on TikTok and who are founders, like there's this pressure, but also this huge opportunity to sell through your product by being like a really forward-facing kind of founder. And whether that's, you know, whether your time is better spent building the business in the back or whether you should be at the front of the business. And and what she said was like, well, I've just reframed it. Like I can sell through, I can sell better than JLo. Like I can sell through better than JLo on TikTok. And that's how I think about it now, which I thought was really, really interesting. How do you think founders should be building their own like presence on TikTok or using their brand account or leveraging their, like creating their own personal brand so that it can help build brand around their business? Yeah, I think it's such a great opportunity now. Like you can establish Mm -hmm. yourself as your own person, but also you can be selling your product. Um, I think a really great example to look at would be August. August is a period. uh, Yes. And the the founder, Nadia, like she's absolutely amazing. We we met back in 2020 and August is starting out and she has probably like 3000 followers. And then within like six months, she was just posting like 20 times on TikTok, And she grew to like 2 million. And I texted, I was like, what's going on? And she's like, I just cracked the phone. Um, so basically I think that what she did really well is that differentiate herself from the brand, but also so intertwined, there's no way that you can differentiate them from like August and Nadia. So Nadia has her own account. She talked about everything in her life as a founder, as a pyramid, a period empowerment person and talk about August all the time. And that itself allowed their audience to grow attachment to Nadia and at the same time grow attachment to August. And because of that, August sales just skyrocketed, helped them raise series A, I think series A or C round, I forgot. Um, and then August itself have a different social media team running that t- like August account. And I think that would be the best way 
as a like as a brand if you have the funding to do like you have your own account talk about your own life your founder journey and talk about your brand at the same time that gives audience able ability to see who you are as a person but also why should they buy your product and your brand should be focusing on selling your brand but at the same time you can showcase yourself on there as well but it can be run by a totally different people because you still want that kind of differentiation ish a bit from okay that's your brand and this is you and you can have your own life as well and so you don't feel like you have to only talk about your product all the time that's kind of how i see it yeah yeah, Nadia is absolutely killing it. We also had her speak at one of our female founder world events mm-hmm. in New York um, earlier this year. And she was saying that, yeah, she was posting like 50 times a day, yeah, but in a really tangible way that she said that, you know, their customer, their, their email acquisition costs are basically nothing because it's just virality. Viral, I can't even say the word. Virality on TikTok um, is driving those new emails coming through and that that's reducing their customer acquisition costs by so much. Um, but if yeah. you look at Nadia's content, like she shows up, like she is obviously just like a personality. She is born for it. She is so confident. Yeah. She is, you can't like not, you can't look away because she's so entertaining. I don't think, you know, everyone feels comfortable showing up like that. And I think it's really interesting because like when Instagram was kind of coming up, if you know, a few years ago, you would see things that you'd never seen before, like a behind the scenes in somebody's day at work or behind the scenes at a influencer event or whatever, stuff like that, that you hadn't really or a press event that you hadn't really had access to before. But now we've we've seen that for years. It's boring, it's boring. And I feel like you constantly have to push the needle about what's new, what people haven't seen before. And so, you know, for Nadia, that means like showing her period blood on TikTok and on Instagram. And that's a boundary that I feel like not a lot of people are going to push. But if you're comfortable in showing something that hasn't been shown before, whatever that realm is for you, or whatever that industry is for you, that's kind of also how you can get through um, rather than trying to replicate what we've been doing on the internet forever and ever. Um, so I think it's like a really, it's a really interesting tension. And, and Nadia is clearly like very bold and confident in the way that she goes about it. Yeah. But I also think that there's a lot of different people, right? Just like you would say, not everyone is interested in being on social media and people, mm-hmm. some people are private. They don't want to be on social media or be blasted on Instagram and TikTok. And that's okay. But if you have the funding, hire someone to be the face of the brand. Um, mm-hmm. There is a thing called UGC creators or a creator that you can hire for full-time, part-time or contracting. And it's a very popular phenomenon now. There's agency out there that helps you do that, or you can just do that yourself so you look for a creator um in your niche or that's like resonate with your brands and you hire her or him or pronouns whatever you which one you want to use um on and then you hire them for a monthly feed if you are contracting them then they post basically like 15 to 30 contents per per month on your uh, instagram or tiktok account and you own that account as a brand and then you don't have to show your face at all um so you're just outsourcing it out to a social team and there's business out there that are killing it because they're doing this a morning brew is a classic one morning brew has a really killer tiktok account that they hired john 
do and he, he does these like funny scripts and things like that 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 he ran the account really well but at the same time found the founder had his own content as well that's like kind of related to morning brew but not really so it really depends on you like if you don't want to be you don't have to be there's other ways to go about doing things as well or you can just don't even show your face there's account that like only show like hands and they're also yep. viral too yeah, like look at Art of Sucre is a really good one. They do, they're a cotton candy business with like millions of followers. And again, they started early, but the they don't have necessarily a face of the brand, but it's the founder's voice. Like you constantly hear that voice. And so they do have that consistency in having somebody kind of like behind the account. Um, but she's just showing herself, you know, making the cotton candy, um, which I think is really interesting. When you talk about UGC and, you know, hiring someone to kind of be the face of the account, what kind of budget do you think people should be looking at for that? Yeah. So I think that for hiring creator on for brand partnership, like uh, for like managing your account, that would be lending between like 2000 on the low end and on the high mm-hmm. end and be all the way to $6,000 depending on mm-hmm. the creator that you hired. Um, but yeah, so I think that would be a good amount. But I think the best solution for a brand is to hire a full-time content creator onto yeah. their brand. And if they have an office, have them come into the office, have them film the interaction within the office, because that's how people fall in love with the brand is the culture, right? It's the story behind storytelling, who the, who is working behind these scenes and how can I resonate with these people as a consumer as well? How, um, how do you find the right person to be a content creator? Is that something, you know, cause if you're going through an agency, you can't really hire someone full time. It's kind of like you're using them as a, as a contractor. Is it something that you like post on LinkedIn? Like, where do you find these people? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is a great tool like too. Um, LinkedIn, like I've seen so many like people posting on LinkedIn, but, um, I, I mean, Creo Base is going to be one place that you can post for sure. But another great place called Contra. Contra is like these like freelancing platform, but they also like a lot of them actually turn into just like full-time job employee. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think Contra would be a really great way to hire talents as well, but also just manually scouting as well, especially like creator within like, like less than 50K follower. They're great creator. They're awesome storyteller but they're still looking for a full-time job because they're not yeah. influencer enough to like have like full-time income for as a creator, but they understand just as good as like how to content create than like a, a huge influencer as well. When I want to get back to the like founders as the face of the brand, like when people are, okay, so let's talk, let's, you know, let's say it's me. I'm showing up on, um, I'm showing up on TikTok. I'm trying to think about some ideas for content. How do you figure out what you should be talking about or like what your area of expertise is or how do you like position all that? Yeah, I would say, so sell your journey. Your journey is your Mm. biggest asset. And that is what may mostly make brands go viral. Like go about your first video should always be about your journey, like your founder journey. Why did you found this company? What is the shock factor when you founded this company? That's a, did you quit your full-time job or did you drop out of school to found this company? Or did you lose thousands of money, like uh, dollars to fund this company? Give them a shock factor 
when you are opening your video and then go into about how, why did you found this company with the pain point that you experienced that the, the struggle and all that different things, that should always be the first videos. And you should always remake those videos for it to go viral and for your create like audience to know who you are. So that would be yeah. the first type of content I will go about. And then just look at surrounding your your surrounding contents, right? So let's say if you sell plants, what can you talk about that is plant about? Like how can you sell plant? People want their space to look good in their home. So maybe you can do home decor tip or like um, tips to make your home become more homey or a day in my life of, I don't know, watering plant. I don't freaking know. But just there's so <laughs> many different contents I talk about. And don't be like so specific. Have fun with your contents. Like be more ridiculous. Like if you think this is ridiculous content, just be more ridiculous. And I also like study a bunch of my competitors' contents. Like it's kind of bad, but sometimes you can like study their content and like copy off their content for the first few posts. So it kind of yeah. get you started. And it's okay. Like let's say if you're you're. I don't know, like plant example, five, five other plant company, TikTok and study all their contents, especially those that are a lot better. Like, so their average post might be 10 K study what makes them pop. Like if one post goes to 50 K study that post and recreate that post in your own way, because it's already proven it's going to go viral and probably will go viral for you as well. So there's a lot of little tricks like that, that you can definitely utilize. What do you take from your TikTok and cross post to Instagram? Do you cross post everything now? No, I don't cross post everything. I don't think that everything will works on TikTok will work on Instagram. Um, that's a I think that that's a very common mistake that creators and mm. like like does because I think Instagram has a very different audience than TikTok. People that scroll through IG reels are interesting like they, they, they they're craving different content they crave a little bit more aesthetically pleasing content that are fastly consumed that they don't have to think too much and that's entertaining but whereas tiktok right now they want something intriguing they want something that's controversial like they want to learn something or be be educated right so the type of content should be different you should when you're creating you should create in mind is this going to be only on tiktok or is this going to be on tiktok and instagram then that's how you should be planning out everything yeah okay that makes sense uh something that you know i think anyone who's in this space, whether they're a creator, whether they're a founder of a consumer brand or a tech company, they're always kind of keeping their eye out for like, okay, what are the other platforms? What's up and coming? What is, mm. you know, what's going to be the next TikTok when, because inevitably in five years that it'll be something else for sure. Um, are you seeing any other platforms like coming through or any other kind of like trends in this digital space that you think are interesting to watch? Or is it really just like, no, like focus on TikTok for now? I think YouTube short is a pretty, mm -hmm. it's a very under look right now. It's like, it's a very overlook. I think YouTube short is basically Instagram reels in 2021 and like Instagram, like TikTok in 2019 and 2020. Like there's so much growth that you can experience on YouTube short right now. But similar to YouTube, TikTok, like they concentrate a lot more on talking videos rather than like trending sound. So that's when you really need to use, like when you're creating contents, 
you have to be conscious of what type of platform you're actually going after. Mm. Um, that would be one thing that I would look closely with. I think Be Real is still very early on. I, I'm not very bullish on Be Real right now. Neither am I. I yeah, <laughs> just, I just I delete the platforms. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was like, I I feel like lots of people were signing up, and I was reading a lot about it, and I didn't want to kind of like miss out. And so I was posting, and then I was like, this is I'm quite bored. So <laughs> this boring. is quite boring. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, no, I agree. Um, but don't burn yourself out. Just pick one max two platform first. Yeah to do to create or else you're gonna get so burned out are you on are you doing youtube shorts now not yet but i will be doing youtube um long-term youtube like formatting next year okay is there anything else that like when you look at the platform that you think is working on there now so you said a lot of like talking to the camera kind of videos is it more um is it like more entertaining or more educational like where does it lean do you think or both I think both, um, both mm. for sure. But in general, I think educational could always do better um, in terms of monetization wise, just because mm. brands, when they're talk- looking for creators in this space, they tend to rank higher. Like finance creators get the most money, get the most bank out of any type of niche creator. And then the next one being business. So educational creators definitely have it better than like lifestyles and fashion creator. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think positioning yourself as an expert in any space is like a really good way to set you apart. So if you can establish some like credibility for sure. And that's the way that like, even I feel like digital, you know, like the traditional digital publishers are going like Birdie, the beauty site, all of their content now, I don't know if it's all of it, but like a lot of their content now is checked by like a dermatologist or someone who is a legitimate trained expert in the space. And that's how they're trying to differentiate themselves, I think, from all of this entertaining content out there because it's so hard to compete against just like a fucking hilarious 23-year-old who doesn't give a shit and just like shows up in whatever way they think is really funny. Like I cannot compete with that, but maybe, you know, like, but maybe you can compete with like expertise and knowledge and like more traditional storytelling on video format. Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's so many ways to show up for contents. Like your editing can be different and that's how you differentiate yourself as well. Where the, the your opening line would be totally different. Mm. I think content is just so much fun. It's it's for you to experiment. Like don't put yourself in the box. Like I really don't want to say this, but like I hate when people say to have one niche. Like no, like have multiple. You don't know what you could like hit. You never know. Yeah. Who- and your audience is interested in multiple things just like you are. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, the last thing I want to ask you is for a resource recommendation. So as you've been kind of building your career as a creator, now a tech entrepreneur as well, like what has been helping you as you've been doing that? Books, podcasts, a habit that you have? What do you recommend? Um, Book, let me think. Book. I really like, oh my God, I'm going to sound so basic. <laughs> like, I really like the, <laughs> um, the Lean Startup. Um, so yep. I'm very, very new in the tech space. And building a company has have humbled me so much. And the, the, that book alone has 
taught me so much on how to build fast and iterate and just don't be afraid of just putting your product out there. I think the e-commerce in me kind of always feel like I need the perfect product and then a campaign mm. about it and then release that product. But in tech is so much di- like so, so different. Like you built in weekend. Okay. You release that on Monday. Like, I was like, what's going on? But yeah, that book has definitely helped me a lot. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Female Founder World, Sandy. That has been so interesting. I'm feeling very inspired to go and create some content now. (laughs) Thank you. That is it for Female Founder World in 2022. Thank you so much for listening to the show this year. It has been wild, like the incredible people that we've been able to speak to and have on the show. And it's all because of the support that you guys are showing us in the community, on social media, and just by regularly tuning back into the podcast and and listening to these conversations. It's been amazing just growing this media platform with you all. If you did enjoy this show and you haven't reviewed us yet, just drop five stars wherever you listen. Thank you. And if you really, really liked it, take a screenshot, share on Instagram stories and tag at Jasmine Garnsworthy and at Female Founder World. I will be sure to repost it and you will totally make my day. Okay, I'll chat to you guys in the new year.